Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered, the podcast that covers anything and everything to do with insurance. Coming up in this episode... What you've effectively done, what, what, what blockchain has facilitated, is the creation of a new asset class of trusted data. And this is the critical piece, because that new asset class will enable you to build new business models, new revenue opportunities, new customer-centric propositions that you could not have done without blockchain, because the key here, as I said, is trusted data. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner of the law firm RPC, and in each episode, I'm joined by a guest and we discuss an aspect of the wonderful world of insurance. And this week, we have Walid Al-Sakaf with us, and we will be discussing blockchain. Now, Walid has an eclectic past, which, to be honest, I'm not sure I can summarize sufficiently in a few seconds. In brief, though, Walid is a social and serial entrepreneur, setting up a series of startups covering areas such as human resources, mobile phone payments, social media, baby social commerce, we'll come back to that, and personal finance. However, in 2017, Walid joined Beasley as blockchain innovation lead. And since then, his world has been blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. In 2018, he set up InsureBlocks, which is a dedicated weekly podcast on blockchain in the insurance industry. Walid is currently up to episode 130 at the time of recording, which makes me feel appropriately humble and inadequate. So, Walid, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Peter. It's it's great uh, to be here with you. And uh, yeah, well, thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> no, really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to finding out for the first time in my life what blockchain actually is. But but before we get onto that, baby, baby social commerce. You, yes, you, you're gonna baby need, huddle. Yes. You're going to need to explain that. And it came out at a time when I was expecting our, our first child. And the real problem I had here was how do I know what are the right products I need to, to get, you know, for my baby? You know, you have net moms, you have mom's net where you have forums of mainly women talking about the problems and how to tackle them. And then you had Amazon, mother care or kitty care websites for buying stuff. There was never a platform that kind of matched the forum conversations was the products. And that's why baby huddle was. Sounds great. Sounds great. I mentioned that you joined Beasley yes. in 2017. And that, now, was that your first brush with insurance? And why did you make that change? Why did you make that move? So as you say, you know, it's very difficult to summarize my, uh, my background history. And I think one of the things that determines that what are my choices is what are the new learning opportunities? And so I have a tendency of jumping from one industry to another because that's how I learn more about um, that industry. So I was invited to, to join um, Beasley. And uh, at the moment, at the beginning, I was like, who's Beasley? And luckily, and for crazy reasons, I guess, they decided to give me a job. Now, it was not at that time as um, blockchain lead. It was basically as their um, internal entrepreneur, if you want. I was here to teach them innovation from my, my startup backgrounds. Whilst I was at Beasley, I just started discovering what is blockchain. I then had a chat with some of the guys and they said, well, you know, we're not really looking to blockchain. We, we, um, I said, okay. And I said, well, can I just make a, a simple lunch and learn to maybe tell the, the, the staff, you know, what is blockchain from what I've been learning? So they said, yeah, we usually have about 20 to 30 people. So we'll, we'll get you a room. Within a few days of having talked about this, it suddenly became 60. 
And then suddenly it said, we're actually, we're going to use the whole cafeteria. There was close to 230 people uh, who came to it. And shortly after that, I became BZ's blockchain lead. Right. So let's go back to the very basic. So a question, a question that you will have answered a thousand times already, but let's, let's ask it anyway. What is blockchain? All right. So this is the shortest answer you're going to get. It's a series of blocks that are connected on a chain. Next question. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're done that's now. All, that's all we have time for on this podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those questions, which is, to be honest, it's, it's an interesting one because it is the one question I ask every single one of my guests. And every single one of them has a slightly different definition to it. Some of them answer it from a technical standpoint. Some of them answer it from a, a business, strategic, uh, philosophical. I've had um, explanations that brought in sex, that brought in Star Wars. I've had all kinds of answers to, to what is blockchain. So let me try and explain it in, in layman terms so that everyone can, can get an appreciation of what it is, but also more importantly, what it is capable of and what it means for our future. If we look at the internet, the web in which we live in, it's characterized as the web 2.0. It was a web that enabled communication and the sharing of information in, in a very efficient way. And it has managed to go all across the globe very rapidly. So let's give you an example. If I was to take a picture of my cat and I send you that picture, you know, you, you could share it to as many people as you want. Does that really impact me? No. If I was sending you a white paper that is in draft format and it's something I'm hoping to sell, you know, a thousand pounds ago, I have no guarantees that you're not going to distribute it. You could share it to as many people as you want, and there's nothing I could do about it. I could maybe take you to court, but that will take six months to a year, especially with COVID. You know, it might take even two or three years. So you've got this problem, which is I'm sharing data with you, and I have no say or control over it. Let's take another example. If I send you a Bitcoin, okay, suddenly that piece of information, that data has value. You could go to a, 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 an exchange and, and get pounds, euros, or dollars out of that. And you want to make sure that if I send it to you, I haven't sent it to Joe or to anybody else at the same time. So you want to know that if once you've received it, you are the owner of that Bitcoin, right? And you can see a trail history of me having been the previous owner of it and somebody else having been the owner of it. So what blockchain has enabled us to do is suddenly facilitated the sharing of data from a value standpoint. So the internet was distribution of data and communication. Blockchain is about sharing value of data. Okay. And that is one of the critical differences between uh, blockchain and the internet is now you can give real value to data, whether it's in a currency format, such as Bitcoin, whether it is an insurance policy that has value, or whether it is, you know, the deed to my, to my property, for example. All these things, all this data now has value, and you can see a history of who has ownership of it. Another aspect that is important to understand is that the internet, whilst it's very efficient, it has one major failure about it, which is identity you don't have an identity today. Your, your identity is provided to you by Google with your Gmail. It's provided to you by Facebook or by LinkedIn or by Twitter. 
So you have a whole myriad of identities. And just like when I, if I send you that white paper or a picture of my cat, you can distribute it. You don't own really your identity and they can you know, monetize. You are the product like is very well known on Facebook. What blockchain enables you to do is to control your identity. Just like if I'm sending you, you know, that one Bitcoin, you know, it, it came from me and then I was the owner. Now you're the owner here in blockchain. You can control your identity. So I'm going to ask you to play a little game with me now. I'll get, I'll give it a go. Okay. Let's, let's imagine I want to enter into a nightclub and you happen to be the bouncer. <laughs> now, obviously yeah. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so attractive. I can notice you're, you can see me over zoom. I, I would be a useless bouncer, but anyway, let's engage in this fiction. Yeah, exactly. We're, we have a two way fiction going here. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I can see that you're, you're checking me out and you're asking me for my, my identity to prove, let's say I'm in the U S and I'm over 21. Now the standard way of doing it is I will show you my driver's license, but I don't want to show you my driver's license. It's got my full address on it. It's got other pertinent information. So I don't want to share that necessarily with you. So in a blockchain world, you have the concept of decentralized identities and self-sovereign identities, which is, is if you're now the bouncer, you're effectively a software thing. You will check my code that says, am I over 21? It will not tell you my age. It will not tell you my address. It will just tell you, yes, I'm over 21. And you trust it because it's all done by code and the code is cryptographically secured and immutable and I can't change it. Just like if I'm applying for a loan, let's say from you, you're a financial institution. Most people lie in terms of how much they earn, how much debt they have, because they want to get the best terms. Here, the financial institution will basically ask me, can we lead afford this loan? It won't ask you, you know, how much you earn or how much debt you have. It will just say, can you afford it? And it will trust the fact that I have not tampered with the data because I can't tamper with the data. I'm a custodian of my own data because that data about me comes from the banks I have. It comes from my employer in terms of my salary and comes from a whole range of sources. So to bring it back full circle, what is blockchain? So blockchain is a platform that enables you to, to control your identity and to engage into the exchange of value around data. And that opens up to a whole world of opportunities from a public perspective, whether it is, you know, with cryptocurrencies and providing, you know, financial inclusion to people all around the world, because it's, it's very easy. You do not need to go for a bank to exchange in that. And also for enterprises to be able to collaborate together to create it better new customer propositions. And I'm sure we'll be discussing this throughout. Okay. So I'm a technological dinosaur <laughs> and, and I, I still think in analog rather than digital. I, I still think in old school paper and pen. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I, I will try to explain it in, in my language and then you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. So effectively what you have, let's use Bitcoin as an example. You have data, which is block number one. And then you have block number two is when that Bitcoin is transferred to someone else. Yeah. So the, the transaction is block number two. And then block number three would be if that Bitcoin is transferred again, or would block four be the creation of new Bitcoin, or would that be a new blockchain? So it's a bit more complicated than that, but, but just to, to, to simplify it, every time there is a transaction between two individuals, now those individuals may trust or may not trust each other, um, there's a transfer of that Bitcoin onto the other. So effectively, if you think in terms of a bank, you have a ledger. 
you know, how much each party has. All you're doing is that you're transferring that Bitcoin from that ledger to that other ledger. What is key is that all the participants within the Bitcoin network also have a copy to the ledger. So they can see that transaction going. Now, it won't say, you know, money is being transferred from Wally to Peter. It will, it will have it, you know, anonymized. So I'm protected and you're protected from that. Now, because this is being done and you want to make sure I haven't sent the money at the same time to somebody else, you need validators to people effectively confirm that this transaction has happened. So that's why you have at the moment the most well-known consensus mechanism. So a way, a mechanism for all those ledgers to agree on what is the truth is what's called mining. The mining is basically a situation where people with powerful computers, because now you need an army of computers, but in the early days of Bitcoin, you could do it off your laptop. Uh, so you'd have a powerful computer and a lot of electricity to basically uh, complete a mathematical equation. And the first ones to be able to complete that mathematical equation would basically confirm that transaction and would be rewarded with a Bitcoin, right? That was created out of the ether. So the reason that this was done is because for you to be rewarded, you had to have expanded power to confirm that transaction. And that is electricity and having an asset such as a powerful computer to be able to complete that. So every time a transaction is confirmed, then that is put, if you want, in a new block. And that's why you get this chain of blocks that shows you the history of all the transactions that have happened since day one of blockchain or Bitcoin. So does that mean that every single Bitcoin transaction that there has ever been is all on one blockchain? Yes, the Bitcoin blockchain. And anyone can go into that history yeah. and examine any particular block to make sure that if someone is trying to sell a Bitcoin to me, I can verify that that Bitcoin exists. But not only that, I can verify the entire history of that Bitcoin transaction. From day one, day one. And uh, so being the, the 3rd of January, 2009. That's, yeah, okay. That's quite impressive. <laughs> what blockchain is about fundamentally is about trust, right? When you are about to transfer your hard earned pounds into Bitcoin, you know, you want to make sure that that Bitcoin is legit if you want and that you are now the rightful owner of it so you need to be able to trust this system and that's what it does is that the trust is brought in by the transparency element and i would argue by the cryptographic capabilities of it for it you can't hack it now the press likes to have a field day in saying that bitcoin has been hacked here bitcoin has been hacked there that is nonsense bitcoin has never been hacked what has been hacked are third-party applications like digital wallets that hold your Bitcoin. Now, these have been hacked, but Bitcoin as an operating software, as, as a platform, has never been hacked. Smaller versions of similar solutions like Bitcoin, such as Ethereum Classic, have been hacked. So what differentiates one over the other? It's the, the size of the network. Because to effectively hack a public blockchain, you need to take control of 51% of the network. So the bigger the network is, the more computers you need to have at your disposal to rewrite history, to, to, to change the transactions. The smaller the network, the easier it is to hack it. 
Right. Okay. That's helpful, I think. <laughs> you described their blockchain as a, an operating platform. And I've heard you describe it in a, in a different podcast um, with Insurance Times a couple of years ago. Also, I'd recommend people to listen to that. Very good. But you described it there as, as an operating system. And for me, that was really helpful because it's one thing kind of getting a vague grasp of, of what blockchain is. But it seems to me the more important thing is a bit like an operating system for you know my my Mac or or a computer or, or my phone. I don't really, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me how it works, how the operating system works. All that matters is is what you can do with it. Well, what are the apps that you can put on top of the operating system? Yeah, yeah. So in in the insurance context, I appreciate that there are an increasing number of contexts for for blockchain. But in in the insuring context, how how does blockchain actually? produce something of worth. Okay. So um, just before I answer that, I'm going to just take one, one little step back to provide a little bit more context. So, you know, you're right. You know, so Bitcoin is, if you want an application of that operating software being blockchain, um, but there are a number of other applications, you know, that can be built on top of it. For me though, I'm, you know, I, we talked about, you know, blockchain as being the, this trust layer. It's about, you know, providing value to data. Now, why is this important? Because let's look at where the world we're going towards to, what does it look like? We have on one hand, you have something called IoT, Internet of Things. Now, the number of IoT devices being available around the world is growing exponentially. Now, all these devices are producing a ton of data. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, every year we're basically producing more data than has ever been produced. And if you sum it up together in one year, we're producing more than has ever been put in human history. That's the amount of data that is being produced. So you, you've got all this data. Now, if this data was all put, let's say, in a bank in a form of gold, you know, we'd all be filthy rich. But data is not like gold. Data is more like if you want like a fresh strawberry. If you don't take a bite into it and get all the sweetness, all, all the juices out of it, it will expire. You know, it will rot and it will be quite bad. Data is very similar because data is temporal. You know, if you don't process it sometimes within a nanosecond or within a few weeks, it loses its value. So how do you transform all this rich data that's coming out, raw data into meaningful insights? Well, that's where a company like artificial intelligence kicks in. AIs are here to transform data into meaningful insights. And this is very important because, you know, if you have a good AI, you can actually conquer any industry you want. And I'll give you an example. You know, the automobile industry was seriously disrupted by Waymo, which was, you know, Google's autonomous economic agent. To give you an idea, Morgan Stanley valued Waymo um, I think $170 billion, which is more for a 14-year-old project, right? which is more than BM, Volkswagen, and Daimler combined. So these are 100-year-old companies. And this little project comes around and says, hey, I've cracked it. Why is that the case? The case is because Waymo has aggregated more data, autonomous miles, driven autonomous miles, than uh, Ford, Nissan, Uber, Tesla, and one more, I can't remember, combined times three. That's how much data they have. So what an AI needs, it's data. The more data you have, the more powerful your AI. So we now understand the power of the AIs, what they can mean. And they get their data increasingly from IoT devices. So how do you connect the two together? Well, that's where blockchain comes in. Because AIs need to be able to see the provenance of where that data has come from. Has It comes from this device, IoT device. Um, has it been tampered with? 
you know, has someone tried to hack into it? They want to see an audit trail of that data. So blockchain provides that provenance, that audit trail, that trust that the data is secure, that it comes in a standardized format that is readable by the AI and from which the AI can make some actionable insights. So if you want in terms of the future, this is how you have this perfect triangle of AI, IoT, and blockchain working together. Why this is important for the insurance industry? Because insurance industry has traditionally looked at pricing risk, looking at historical data. In a world that is increasingly digital, where decisions have to be made on the spot, you need to access to real-time data. And you need to be able to make real-time decisions. And an example of that is IntraWave. Now, IntraWave is a marine insurance blockchain solution that was uh, initially built by Maersk, uh, by a number of insurance companies, EWA and GuardTime. And effectively, the initial proposition was to equip ship captains and insurers to be able to make informed decisions, which is, I have a choice as a ship captain. I can sail through a war zone and save a ton of money on fuel, or I can sail around it. Now, because my insurers use the price risk historically, I'd, you know, say screw them, I'll, I'll sail through the war zone and save on fuel. But with InsurWave, the insurers have access to that data, which says, this is where the ship is. And if it sails through there, watch my premiums go up through the roof. <laughs> so now they can make informed decisions. So blockchain, what it facilitates here is the move of changing your appreciation and understanding of risk and how you price it from a historical perspective to a real-time perspective. So now you have a facility as an insurer to gain external data. You have a network data strategy that helps you understand risk better, that helps you price yourself better, and more importantly, to come full circle back to the beginning of the podcast for you to build better customer-centric propositions. And the demand is out there. Look at Tesla. Tesla has been basically telling insurers, please connect with me, give personalized policies to each one of my drivers. Here's the data I can give you access to from the cars. Most insurers don't know to, I don't know how to. They don't have that digital mindset or that data mindset. And I'm hoping that a growing number of insurers will start to embrace those mindsets and use the technologies that are available to deliver on building customer-centric propositions. Brilliant. And is blockchain the basis upon which parametric insurance works as well? Because presumably, I mean, parametric insurance is obviously payments which are triggered by an event, but yet presumably using blockchain, all of that is already in the block. So the, the, you know, the, the proof of the property, the, the proof of the earthquake or flood or whatever it might be, the proof of the, the premium payment, the proof of the, what the limit of indemnity is, all of that would be in the blockchain, which means that when the risk occurs, the earthquake, the flood, whatever it might be, that then triggers the payment immediately. Sorry, I, I, I'm trying to work this out myself. No, but of course, is, is of course. That, <laughs> Is, is, that, is that a correct summary that the parametric is based on blockchain? So not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. I mean, um, to be honest, it is a bit disputed on whether parametric insurance needs blockchain or not. Um, but I, I do believe there is a good argument for uh, parametric insurance to be built on blockchain. And there are a number of use cases that are, that are out there. If I take the example of Etherisk, now Etherisk is an intratech company who has built a number of parametric insurance projects based on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, for those who remember, when Puerto Rico was hit by Hurricane Maria, it took 
I think six or eight months for insurers to make payouts to those whose homes were destroyed. Because this is kind of the scenario that happened, you know, I, I'd say I'm Puerto Rican and my house was destroyed. I will call up my insurer. Insurer says, yeah, no problem. Um, can you, you know, provide us evidence that you're still owner of your house? Well, I said, well, the papers were actually in my home. They're destroyed. Like, no, no worries. Just go to the central registrar, you know, a city a council or whatever. Um, and you can get a copy there. I'm sorry, that's been destroyed too. <laughs> what do I do? Now, here the proposition that Etheris basically says is that, let's say, you know, prior to the hurricane, I can buy a policy by saying, this is a GPS location of my home. Here's a copy of basically that I'm the owner of the house. And now all that information is put onto the blockchain. Now, depending on the type of hurricane that hits within the geographical location of my home from the GPS coordinates, a payout will be made within minutes. So instead of me waiting six or eight months, I can get an immediate payout within minutes. Now, it's, gonna, it's not going to be enough money to, to rebuild my home, but it's going to be enough money to, to put me in a hotel, to be able you know, to put food on my plate until the regular legacy insurers get their act together. So that's an example of a parametric insurance. So from an insurer perspective, you're removing costs. And from an insured perspective, it's a great customer experience. I don't have to ring. I don't have to provide evidence. It's all there. And I trust it because it's all deterministic and it's based by code. It's not a human evaluating it. So it's built on the blockchain. The blockchain effectively verifies the data in essence. So, so you don't need to subsequently verify it. It is already inherently verified. So if you, it, the blockchain itself doesn't verify it, it stores, if you want, the data, okay. the policy, and then the smart contract for parametric insurance, you need the smart contracts. So, sorry, the, the, I was going to ask you about that. So what is a smart contract? So a smart contract is just effectively, you know, the old joke is that they're neither smart nor a contract. <laughs> all, all it is, is it's a piece of code that you know, waits for a certain input to come out. And depending on what is the logic that was set into the code, it will make an output, uh, a deterministic output. So that's, that's all it is. It waits for X to happen. If X happened, it will do Y, Z, or W. So it's that simple. So that's why it, it, they work really well with parametric insurance because you know, depending on the input that's provided and, and the, the data that the smart contract can access, it will make a decision. This is what I call smart contracts 1.0. What I expect will happen is that we'll have smart contracts 2.0, where smart contracts will not just be the simple code, but it potentially could be an AI engine that will be able to make decisions based on a whole range of different data sets and be able to make an informed decisions based on that. But at this stage, we're at smart contracts 1.0. Thank you. No, that's amazing. So, and <laughs> I think I know the answer to this, but how do you think blockchain is going to affect insurance in years to come? Is it, is it overhyped or is it genuinely transformational in your opinion? Well, for me personally, it, it is transformational, but what we have to understand is that blockchain sits within a, a more general digital transformation, right? And digital transformation, you know, coming back to what I was saying earlier on, it's about having a digital mindset and a data mindset. Why is this critical? Because organizations who have that mindset are basically going to kill you. I don't know how else to put it. 
look at what Waymo has done, you know, to the automobile industry. Look at what Libra is doing to the financial industry. Now, I appreciate Libra has got a whole set of regulatory concerns, but just showing up and showing what you're capable of is important. And again, and for if there's any insurers, you know, listening at the moment to this podcast, you know, think about how are you using IT tools today? I remember talking to a you know, well-known insurer how they use Google Analytics. Google Analytics was usually found within the IT department instead of being a business tool. These are tools that help you make informed decisions. So if you were to compare yourself to Facebook, to Amazon, to Google, you're going to lose so easily. And yes, you could argue that, you know, commercial insurance, you know, you got complicated risk. You need people with a lot of experience and I don't doubt it. But give those people access to the right digital tools and data to, to be the best at what they do, because you're going to lose. I'd love to be in, you know, in meetings where I don't even mention blockchain, just like you don't go into a meeting and say, internet, this internet, that no, or you're using this operating system. You're talking about all the exciting capabilities that can be built upon that. What you've effectively done, what, what, what blockchain has facilitated is a creation of a new asset class of trusted data. And this is the critical piece because that new asset class will enable you to build new business models, new revenue opportunities, new customer-centric propositions that you could not have done without blockchain. Because the key here, as I said, is trusted data. That's brilliant. So it's not overhyped then. <laughs> no, I mean, just like, you know, I don't think the internet was overhyped when it, it launched. And and I, I would literally say, you know, the blockchain will be as transformative as the internet has been. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, what's this space? So, I mean, that feeds into my very last question, which is if I was a young person thinking about getting into insurance at the moment, so 17, 18 year old, just leaving school, what bit of advice would you give me? For insurance in the next 10, 20, 30 years, what information do I need to survive in that environment? So first phase, you know, your natural habits of whether it's using Pinterest, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, in terms that natural ability you have developed in terms of using those digital interfaces, don't question why they're not being used in the business world. You need to keep challenging the business world saying, why are we using systems that look as though they were built in the 80s, right? Why can't you use these simple interfaces that are so native, that's so more you know, customer-centering and have great UX? Why are we not using that? So I would say, don't lose that natural questioning of why are we not doing things this way? Because I'm sorry, that cultural mindset of saying, well, this is not how we've done things before. That is what the dinosaur said, so go away. You know, If your firm wants to survive, you need to lose that cultural mindset. And you need to embrace that digital mindset, that data mindset that those new fresh blood will provide. So when you come in into that industry, keep that mindset that you've acquired you know, since your youth. Now, the second one is make sure that you constantly talk to your customers on a weekly basis, at least. You need to understand where are their pain points. You need to be able to develop solutions. One of the uh, most interesting conversations I've had was, was a, um, one of the largest firms in the world in terms of logistics. And he was telling me that I'm sick of having a relationship with insurers, which is only at transactional. I want a conversation at the C-suite level, which is we're now talking about managing risk. How can we exchange IP around risk? And what he effectively is saying, how can we share data together 
of our combined ecosystems, of our, of our appreciation of data so that we can develop better solutions. So keep talking to your customers and keep thinking about, you know, what kind of solutions that can be built. But first, you need to have that very good understanding of what is the problem. Because don't start with blockchain. As a matter of fact, keep blockchain all the way to the end. And the same thing, whether it's AI, IoT, think about the problem, understand the problem, and then you can go and start looking at different solutions. So maintain that digital nativeness you have. Stay curious. Have that customer-centricity approach and keep the solution to the problem all the way to the end. Well, that was absolutely outstanding. Thank you so much for your time. That was eye-opening. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Insurance Covered. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and please rate, review and share it. It really does help. Please also listen to another of our podcasts, Taxing Matters, which is hosted by my brilliant colleague, Alice Kemp. Insurance Covered is an RPC production made possible by Joe Burgess and Mary Mitchell. If you want to be a guest on Insurance Covered, please email me at peter.mansfield at rpc.co.uk. Thank you and I hope you have a lovely day.